I finished up last week's episode talking about how I had received my LPC, or license to practice professional counseling, in the state of Pennsylvania. And this week, I just want to talk about how I got here, which is an entrepreneur, a mother, a wife, a lover of life, nature, hiking, fitness, and all things healthy and filled with light and love. But how did I get here from being all the way back there? I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. I had made it. I finally got my license to practice counseling to be a therapist, and I had a job, and I had a son. I had made it. I had everything that I had ever wanted. Normalcy, right? Well, almost everything. I didn't have a husband or a partner. I didn't have anyone to spend my life with, nor did I have anyone to validate me. So what did I start doing? I started dating. <laughs> I met my husband, Jay, on OkCupid. And when I met him, it was right around the time of um, like the beginnings of my career as a therapist. And I was not the person I am now, let me tell you. <laughs> we started dating and it was wonderful and passionate and incredible. And then because of my behavior, of my extreme fear of rejection and abandonment, of my jealousy, of just the way that I wanted everything to be about me, Jay broke up with me twice. So I need to pause there and talk a little bit about what a correctional relationship is and why it's so important to the recovery or overcoming, let's say, of a diagnosis like borderline personality disorder. But before I do that, you need to figure out where this idea came from. So I really love the research of a guy named John Gunderson. He passed away um, in January of last year of prostate cancer. But John Gunderson was a pioneer in the borderline personality disorder research. And another person who is really big and wonderful with the BPD population is Mary Zanarini. She's the principal investigator of the McLean study of adult development. It's an NIMH funded study um, and it reviews the long-term course of borderline personality disorder. Mary and John are incredible folks, so a big shout out to them. So John Gunderson, before he passed away, did a series of YouTube videos. You can find them on YouTube under Borderliner Notes. And he talked a lot about borderline personality disorder and what would help someone overcome the disorder. He believed that the stigma was unjustified and that the it was it's a highly treatable illness. So he talks about this idea of corrective relationship and he says that you can't sustain a relationship based on this idea that no one will ever leave you or disagree with you or never disapprove of you. It just won't happen. And if you had said that to me, that I would never find someone who would never leave me, disagree with me, and never disapprove of me, uh, that that would not be possible, I don't know if I would have dated. Because 
in my old self, in my borderline mind, I would think, wow, what's the point of dating if the person's just going to leave you, disagree with you, and disapprove of you? Like, why would you even want to be with someone then? Because I didn't know that it was possible that someone disapproves of what you're doing but still loves you. That they disagree with you, but they still love you. I didn't understand unconditional love at the time. But after having listened to this video and read some of the publications of John and Mary, I can tell you that what I had with Jay was a corrective relationship. That's a relationship where you trust the person that you're with so much, the relationship is so stable, that you attach to the person securely and you start to believe in their love for you. And then you start to think and understand and internalize the idea that, hey, you know, maybe I'm okay. This person loves me through thick and thin, no matter what they do. They don't always approve of me. They don't always agree with me. They may leave me and then give me another chance and come back to me. But they love me still all the while. So that's a corrective relationship. So let's get back to Jay and I. So Jay came back into my life three separate times. So he broke up with me twice in the very beginning and he, we got back together fairly quickly. And then we had one really long break that lasted for maybe six months. So let me just talk a little bit about that. The first time Jay broke up with me, it was because, you know, and I might chuckle a little bit. So just know that when I look back at the behaviors that I engaged in when I had BPD, the things that I did, I think that they are hilarious and ridiculous. And so I will chuckle from time to time. And I do, I want the listeners to know that that's why I do that. Because I'm sure you can look back on your life, even if you're in the throes of BPD, and think about things that you did that are just ridiculous. Because, I mean, that's BPD, right? Whatever. It's all good. So um, the first time he broke up with me, it was because I wanted him to be with me all the time. And if he wasn't with me, I was like, I would be like in a mood. It's ridiculous, right? And he is a personal trainer. And at the time, he was working for another company. So he was up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and he would come all the way to see me. It's like a half hour drive in the middle of his day and just be so burnout tired trying to maintain this relationship with me. But I never saw it. I didn't have enough empathy. Empathy is, is like a layer. It has um, I'm sorry, it's like an onion, it has layers. So empathy can be compassion for other people. But in this sense, I'm saying that I didn't have the ability to see the world through his eyes. I didn't see him. I just thought, me, me, me. So the second time that we got back together, or I'm sorry, he broke up with me, um, it was because he had gotten some... I guess you can say like new opportunities in his life. And because of these new opportunities in his life, he would have been around other women. And in being around these other women, he would also not be around me. So here again, we have this problem of, you know, oh, you're not going to be with me as much. Like you're leaving me, you're abandoning me. Or like, oh, you know, what if you think these other people are prettier or if they're better than me? So he was always having to prove that he loved me even though he was 
doing that by his actions everything that he was doing was saying like i am really into you i want to be with you i accept you but i kept missing those signs for a long time and you know we ended up breaking again breaking up again because i missed those really key parts i missed basically 50% of the relationship anything and everything that had to do with him so in the time that we were broken up the second time i I was really devastated because I loved him and I knew that he was trustworthy. He had already proven to me that he wouldn't hurt me. You know, I was not quite convinced about the him not leaving me yet, but I knew I could trust him. I knew that he was telling me the truth because his behaviors had been consistent the entire time that I had met him. So I spent a really long try- time analyzing my, my behaviors between the time that we stopped dating until now because the thing that jay did during those breakups and the time that he was with me was that he told me the truth he wasn't like everyone else and just you know breaking up with me or saying ridiculous things like the obvious like you're smothering i mean of course i'm smothering he would literally say to me you are only thinking of yourself right now what about me and he would lay out his argument his point of view i mean And then by doing that, I was able to actually learn information, install new information in my brain. I'm like, oh, right. I am being selfish. And those things are all true. So I'm not seeing your point of view. I don't have that kind of empathy. So he had said all of those things. So in that other, that last time that we broke up between the time that we broke up until he ended up reaching back out to me again... I had a lot of stuff to work on, and I knew it was all true. I wasn't going to argue the point, and I wanted him. I wanted to be with him. So I decided that I wasn't going to (laughs) be, here's a funny borderline black and white. I decided that I wasn't going to be with anyone unless I could be with him. So I was done dating. I was just working on myself, and I did really well with practicing being less selfish. I had to practice empathy. I had to study what it meant to be in a good relationship, how not to smother people in a relationship. I mean, I was just Googling and reading how to be your best self. And just every day I would read these things. And I ended up having this springboard into the relationship again when he came back and you know, decided that he wanted to try again. You know, he always says that he saw some passion and potential and he knew what I was capable of. So that's why he kept coming back, if you're wondering. And so anyway, we we get back together again and I'm like a different person now because I had read and had learned all these all this information. Now, it still wasn't foolproof because one thing that I was doing that's very important is that I had learned all of that information, so I knew what was socially acceptable and socially unacceptable now, but I didn't know how to implement it. So in the beginning, I had to fake that I was okay with all of the things that he was doing that I wasn't okay with before, because I knew that not being okay with it was borderline, was crazy, in other words, was smothering, was intense, was, you know, almost abusive, So, yeah, that's the beginning of my corrective relationship with Jay. He always told me the truth, and 
he was patient enough to wait for me to learn how to be the best partner for him. Are you tired of feeling frustrated, resentful, or disconnected from your family, friends, and partner? Thrive Mind Body LLC Mindset Coaching and Counseling can help you. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com. And receive 10% off your first session pack with coupon code THRIVE10. See you then. So that's it, right? I just meet Jay and I have this wonderful life, perfect relationship, and I overcome borderline personality disorder. Eh, no, not correct. Not at all, actually. Jay was a personal trainer when I met him. He was an athlete his whole life. He was very internally driven, transparent, and he was logical and trustworthy and just an overall honorable guy. I wasn't used to dating people like Jay. The people that I usually dated were musicians or artists or overly emotional men. And just take that for what it is. They were just really emotional guys. Jay just wasn't that guy. He was just very trustworthy and, like I said, honorable. So when I would engage in a behavior, let's call them BBD tantrums. So you've probably heard it called rage splitting. I don't like to use any of the BPD language, and I'll tell you why in a little bit, but we're going to say tantrums because that's what they are. So when I would tantrum, he would tell me that I was tantruming. He wouldn't use fancy language. He wouldn't try to normalize it. He wouldn't validate it. He wouldn't tell me it was okay. He would point out what was happening and tell me that I was tantruming and that those were the reasons why. And he would tell me logically without judgment, without emotion, why I shouldn't do that. And I was able to learn each time. Now, it chipped away at him. It was very difficult for him to have to go through that. However, I was able to, I guess, grow and elevate. I tried to do everything and anything that I could to take the information that he gave me and to incorporate it into how I lived. If I was being selfish, if I didn't have empathy, if I was reading into things too deeply, if I was being too intense, too smothering, too impulsive, if... I was modeling those behaviors to my son. If any of those things were happening, he told me. And every time I could have taken them as triggers, quote unquote, and said, oh, you're triggering me and had a tantrum. Or I could have been upset because it's upsetting having BPD. It stinks to have to relearn how to live in the world again as if you're a two-year-old starting afresh. So I was hurt. But I also knew that I needed to do everything in my power to change, to try to implement the things that he told me about. But I kept hitting roadblocks because to me, the way that I experienced it is that borderline personality disorder is like having this big blank space in your brain. So there's a lot of emotional information and a lot of emotional intensity, but there's a huge missing piece there. How to be vulnerable, how to connect with people, how to control yourself how to be disciplined, how to be internally motivated, how to initiate tasks without procrastinating or failing before I try, how to 
have a real conversation. When I met Jay, I realized that I only told him things that were like surface level stuff. If I had anything that was close to my heart, I didn't tell him because I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. So there was this big blank space in my brain. And every time he told me the thing that I was doing that was just a part of the disorder, I would think about it and I would try to learn it every day. I would put it in my head just as if I were learning a facts for a history test. And that was one of the biggest ways I recovered is I started learning to put into place those things that I had missing. So I need to talk when I'm frustrated. I need to communicate instead of just shutting down and expecting people to read my mind, those kinds of things. There are many other things that I've learned, and I'll be talking about that in later episodes, so I won't get a hunt too into it right now, but that's one of the ways that I was able to overcome the disorder. So I mentioned that having BPD to me was like having this big blank space in my brain, right? Well, the whole time I was trying to win at this relationship with Jay, meaning I loved him and I wanted to marry him. So I wanted him to see that I was somebody who wasn't going to tantrum or have a mood swing when the wind blew because you can't marry someone that you can't trust. So essentially I was trying to get him to trust me. So I wanted to fill that blank space. So I started reading and absorbing everything and anything that I could. I was reading things written by Navy SEALs because at this point I knew that I was starting to figure out who I was. I was starting to figure out what made me feel safe and secure. And one of the things that makes me feel safe and secure is being able to read logical information and to be around people who just tell the truth because it's the right thing to do. So I was reading books by Mark Devine, Navy SEAL, um, reading books by Jocko Wooling, love his field guide, and just, I don't know, trying to do whatever I could to get information spoken by people who spoke the truth. One of the people that I really started to love listening to is Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist out of the Toronto area, and he can be a pretty controversial guy because of some stuff he said. I don't know. I think he's incredible because he tells the truth, and for someone who needed the truth so badly, he said all the right things. So one of the things that propelled me forward was, number one, his description of BPD, and also finding ways to keep myself motivated because I knew one thing throughout this whole journey. I knew that I wasn't going to give up because I didn't have a choice. I had two choices as I saw it. I could figure out how to not have BPD anymore and not be alone for the rest of my life, or I could live the life of a borderline forever. I could be alone, worried about being abandoned, and just all over the place. And I didn't want that. If I could help it, and I figured, you know what, I'll die trying, figuratively speaking, of course. So um, I started listening to Jordan Peterson, and I came across this video that he did about borderline personality disorder. If you want to listen to it, totally check it out. You can go on YouTube and just Google or type in, in the search box, Jordan Peterson, borderline personality disorder. So Jordan Peterson, he told it like it is. And in this video, he says... Well, he says a lot of things that are pretty harsh, but true. It's really important that if you have BPD and you listen to it, you recognize that the truth is the thing that will set you free. So even though sometimes 
people like Jordan Peterson will say negative things about borderline personality disorder, it's those things that will create change in you because you'll be able to see the disparity between what you do and what a quote unquote normal person would do. And I use the term normal, obviously, loosely. And a lot of the people in the field that you'll go to see, they won't give you that kind of truth. So anyway, he says in this video that people with borderline personality disorder have the proclivity to presume that they are going to be abandoned and then to act in such a manner that makes such abandonment virtually certain. So he's saying that we try to hold on to this notion that we can control whether or not someone is going to leave us so much that we end up pushing them away. It's true, right? The push-pull of BPD, 100% correct. The proclivity to presume that they are going to be abandoned and then to act in such a manner that makes such abandonment virtually certain. Another thing he says in this video is that people with BPD are really intelligent. They seem capable of thinking through their problems and analyzing them, but not capable whatsoever of implementing any solutions. And when I heard that, I thought, oh my gosh, that's the blank space that I've been talking about. That's it. I can talk all day about what I do wrong. I can think about it. I can analyze it, but I can't implement solutions. So when I heard him say that, that's how I knew that he was telling the truth. Because how else would he know that? He doesn't even have BPD. (laughs) So how would he know? Another thing that Jordan Peterson says that's, you know, a little harsh and hard to take is that people with borderline personality disorder have tantrums and that they remind him of two-year-olds. He says that when when two-year-olds tantrum, it's off-putting. But when an adult tantrums, he says it's bloody terrifying. And it is bloody terrifying. And my husband, well, my boyfriend at the time, Jay, he would say that to me too. He wouldn't say it so intensely, like, oh, you're being bloody terrifying at all. And I was lucky for that. He just said that you're acting like a child and you're having a tantrum. So I was able to hear those things. So I had already heard that from Jay. And then I heard that from Jordan Peterson. And honestly, every time I listened to this video, I spent seven minutes listening to it and seven minutes in tears. And I would listen to it over and over and over and over again so that I can reinforce the fact that yes, it is true that I do have a problem because this person, along with this person, this person, my own partner, you know, they, we all see that I do these things. And this is what people are saying about BPD. They're saying that People with borderline personality disorder can analyze their problems all day, but never do anything about that. them. And they're saying that people with BPD have tantrums. So I would listen to it so that I could remember that that's what I did and also motivate myself to stop acting that way. I didn't want that to be true, and I refused to let that be true. I refused to believe that I would never be able to implement solutions. I mean, So I used all of the knowledge that I had gained to separate myself from the disorder. I didn't use BPD language. I didn't say rage splitting. I didn't let people validate me for things that were invalid or ask them to, I should say. 
I didn't do any of these things. I cut myself off from everything that was BPD. And instead of making BPD my identity, I made it my nemesis. The second thing that I did is try to learn everything that I possibly could about life, about trust, about love, about empathy, because I know that I had no idea how to love, how to trust, how to have empathy, and I didn't know who I was. So I embarked on a journey to learn how to trust myself, and then in turn, learn how to trust other people. And one of the ways that I did that is I started to do fitness programs. I did a 10,000 kettlebell swing program. And in that program, I was supposed to do 500 kettlebell swings a day. And people do these things, right? CrossFit athletes do them. People who love fitness and working out do stuff like that. But I wasn't one of those people. I was never a diehard anything fan other than just, you know, winning the person who was going to be with me forever. That was like my goal. Um, I mean, I had other goals, right? But that was my main one. And so working out 500 kettlebell swings a day, that was hard. And I didn't have self-discipline. And I didn't have, let's say, let's call it a moral compass, because that's what it is. I didn't have a strong moral compass. I didn't, I wasn't a person of integrity, of loyalty, of honesty, of self-discipline, of I wasn't courageous. So when I am opened my mouth and said to Jay that I would do this 10,000 kettlebell swing program on day, I guess it was like day two or three, he was like, you're not going to finish the program. And he didn't mean it in any way, in any negative way. Sounds negative, but I assure you, he was just stating a fact because I didn't have self-discipline. So how can someone without self-discipline, without integrity, without any of those core values, how could they complete a program of 10,000 kettlebell swings just because. It's just not going to happen. Anyway, it's highly unlikely. So I knew what he meant, but I was determined to implement the skill of self-discipline and the skill of integrity and of consistency and of being loyal because I told Jay that I would do it. So I wanted to be someone who was loyal and honest and trustworthy So I started out on this journey. I said, I am going to prove Jordan Peterson wrong, prove Jay wrong. I am going to do this kettlebell swing program. I'm going to do 10,000 kettlebell swings, and I'm going to prove that I can implement solutions, that I can be self-disciplined, that I can have integrity, and that I can do something purely for myself. And I was able to do it. And I learned that having a moral compass was one of the major components in my development. And even to this day, I have to have core values. I have to be honest all of the time. I have to tell myself the truth and I have to tell everyone around me the truth. I have to make choices that align with my moral compass. That's so important for my my journey. And those are the ways that I overcame BPD. I did it over and over and over again. I practiced. I pushed myself. I refused to let BPD define me. And I followed a moral compass and I made good choices. And I started to understand that everything in life is a choice. That I have choices and that you have choices. And then I started to teach that to other people. So maybe you're asking yourself, well, what do I need to do now? Go out and get some, find someone to date if you're single that is going to do that. Or maybe you're thinking my partner can't be that kind of person, isn't transparent or honest. 
But you know what? You don't need to have, it doesn't have to be like a partner or a romantic relationship. It can be a therapist or a mindset coach. I work right now with people who have borderline personality disorder and also early childhood trauma, people who haven't been nurtured, CPSTSD, EUPD, name the acronym. I help women and men struggling with some of these similar behaviors. And how do I do that? I tell them the truth. So if you have BPD and you find someone that you're willing to trust enough to let them tell you the truth, even though you may not want to hear it and even though it might hurt, listen to them. Work with that person. That's how you'll change by understanding what you do and why you do it and not continuing to judge yourself for it and being willing to separate yourself from the disorder. If you're out there and you're listening and you have BPD and you keep using terms like rage splitting and passing around BPD memes that are just filled with sickness and perpetuate the illness model, then you're adding to the stigma. And I know that's going to be a controversial thing to say, but it it's true. I did overcome BPD. I actually had somebody ask me today if some something that I was thinking was part of my BPD because they don't know me and they just started, you know, knowing me through this podcast. And I laughed myself and I think no. The only thing that I have left over from BPD is my hyperbolic temperament because you can't change temperament. So, I do oftentimes do hyperbolic things. I'll maybe run through the house dancing and singing at the top of my lungs. It's harmless. If I do have some sort of outburst or tantrum or emotional intense moment, it's because of female hormones. <laughs> and all of the other times I'm able to talk things through. I can talk now. I can be vulnerable now. I know that Jay isn't my enemy. I know that most people are not my enemy. I will even go so far as to say all people are not my enemy because everyone in this world has their own journey and they're all doing the best they can with what they have. And I learned that. So am I going to be completely BPD free? No, because I said myself in episode one that I would have a hyperbolic temperament. And I do. But having a hyperbolic temperament and always telling the truth means that I'll probably just be a little bit overly happy sometimes. <laughs> um, so if you have any other questions or any questions at all, I should say, please let me know. I've developed a treatment. I'm not even going to call it a treatment. Let's just say I've developed a point of view and approach that I believe works. It worked for me. It's worked for many of my clients. And if you're interested, let me know. I didn't start this podcast to sell anything. So I will be happy to point you in whatever direction that you want to go in. If it's not working with me, working with someone or getting the help that you need somehow so that you don't have to live a life of BPD pain anymore. I'm a 20-year-old college student, and my question is, how do I find a qualified, experienced, licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in BPD? What questions do I ask them during consultation to ensure that they are the best fit for me? I'm in therapy with the wrong therapist who claims they specialize in BPD. However, she makes me feel more alone, and she does not know how to help me. 
Her exact words were, I don't think you need therapy because you're very wise and intellectual. Sooner or later, you'll just forget about it. She says this after I give her a vivid sentence indicating my suicidal ideation. So this is my sixth therapist overall, and I'm really tired of going to therapists who misdiagnose me, fail to offer an effective treatment, and fail to recognize I'm a unique client. You don't have to dedicate the whole entire next episode answering my question, but if you can just take a minute or two to answer my question, that'll be great. Hey, thank you so much for the question. I'm, I saw your message in my inbox and it really made me happy to see that someone with BPD is out there and they're listening and they want help and that maybe I can help provide that to them. So awesome. Thank you. Um, all right. So I'm a licensed professional counselor or a licensed therapist in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm also a mindset coach, which is completely different. And I work with people internationally and nationally. So I've been in the field for a long time. And what I tell my clients is this. I say that therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, we are all in the helping profession. We are in business. So your therapist is in business with you right now. If you don't like her, you leave. It's a difficult thing to think about because, you know, we usually think of therapy in terms of emotion. So, you know, once you get into this therapeutic relationship, you never go or, you know, you never leave. But if your therapist was selling you hot dogs instead, say like, you know, that's a hot dog stand and you ordered a chili cheese dog and the person kept giving you just a hot dog with ketchup maybe even some onions but you kept ordering a chili cheese dog you wouldn't go to that hot dog stand anymore it would take you one time probably of being like man i don't know this person can't get my order right i'm not gonna go to this person anymore i'm gonna find a new hot dog stand so i'm trying to make light of it because you said you'd been through six therapists of course I don't know what happens with clinicians when they are faced with someone with BPD. It's as if the disorder completely just destroys them. Like all of their insecurities just lay before them and they have no idea what to do. And I also think the stigma doesn't help, right? Because we have this idea that people with BPD are explosive and intense and they're going to you know, do crazy things. So, so she, you know, they are less likely to tell you the truth. All right. So all that being said, if you don't like your therapist or your psychologist, leave that person. That's point one. Um, and tell them too. I mean, if you can muster up the courage to do it, I know it's hard. I've had therapists in the past too. Um, but if you're able to do it, tell them like, listen, you keep giving me hot dogs with ketchup and I want a chili cheese dog. So I think you should think about advertising differently and it, it's just not working out. <laughs> it's not, it's not you, it's me. Um, okay. So I just want to speak on what she said. She said, I don't think you need therapy because you are very wise and intellectual. Sooner or later, you will just forget about it. Something like that, right? So the, I don't think you need therapy because you're wise and intellectual. I mean, that right there indicates that she is having a hard time figuring out what to do with you. You hit the nail on the head with that one. Like I said with the Jordan Peterson video, people with BPD are often very intellectual. It's the implementation of solutions that's the problem. It's leaving the office and being able to do the things that she's telling you to do. That's the problem, right? So you asked me 
what questions, or how do you find a qualified, experienced, licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in BPD, and what questions do you ask to ensure that they're the best fit? So um, what you want to do is look to see if the clinician that you want to work with or the psychologist that you are looking to work with is specializes, I'm sorry, in DBT or mentalizing where they were trained, um, what other disciplines they or disorders they say they work with what's ask what is their approach what sort of therapeutic experience would you are you in for you know are do they practice cognitive behavioral therapy do they know what dbt is do they feel comfortable confronting you if you tell them something and they see a flaw in your logic do they feel comfortable telling you the truth And when you find the therapist that's going to conceptualize your case and to crack the code, say, of BPD, you'll know because you won't because that person will just make sense. They'll be able to see what you're doing a million miles away and they'll be able to tell you how to stop. They'll be able to help you see that what you're doing is, you know, driving people away. They'll be able to help you with identity formation. Um, So, you know, I hope that's helpful. So looking to see, asking them what their credentials are, asking them what um, their theoretical approach is, if it's CBT or DBT, where they were trained, what other populations they're working, they work with, and also whether or not they feel comfortable, you know, speaking the truth or working with, you know, the borderline population. Tell them, I've had seven other therapists. Um, you're also more than welcome to head on over to thriveonlinecounseling.com. I am a mindset coach, like I mentioned, and a licensed professional counselor therapist. And if you're ready to hear the truth, and that goes for anyone out there, please come work with me. I mean, the prices are a bit high. So I've been told, B Palms is a shout out. Um, but I do offer financial assistance, and I just signed up to partner with this company called Trust, which is like text therapy. So that is an option. I don't want this podcast to be a plug for my services, but I do want everyone to know, including you, that you're more than welcome to come. I offer f- free 15-minute consultations. Let's talk. You know, let's talk it over. So you can schedule a consult at thriveonlinecounseling.com or call me 844-984-7483. Leave me a message and I'll get back to you. I hope that's helpful. If you have any other questions, let me know and keep your head up. Like we, you know, I hope this episode really helped you to see that even though you're wise and intellectual, it's the implementation part and it's the really seeing the truth in your behaviors. That's, you know, something that's necessary for you in your recovery. All right. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, or Pocket Casts, or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. 
We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.